with some more RT News updates. And as you can tell from today's title, Congress is coming after your 401k. America's pension crisis is getting worse. I'm going to be covering several different articles, all dealing with the ongoing pension crisis we're experiencing here in America and what is to come. And so we're only four days into the new year, and already we have news about countries deciding to remove themselves or rethink the dollar or, aka, dump the dollar. President Erdogan in Turkey tells his citizens in order to help the country out, it'd be in your best interest to go under your pillow, grab the dollars, the euros, and gold. And as you tell them today's title, how the baby boomers will lose their retirement nest egg, I want to share with you a couple thoughts as well as some articles on how the next market correction will be catastrophic for a lot of people. Always cash crisis worse about Venezuela once again. All right, back at it with some more news updates. And so, um, came across something that I thought I would share with you guys because it's very interesting and, of course, timely. That as a lot of the world leaders are meeting over in Switzerland this week, and it looks like the primary subject matter, according to what the mainstream news would like for us to believe they're talking about, happens to be with and about climate. So with that being the case, got a couple of things I want to share with you, share my thoughts and opinions, and then get your take on it. And so as always, make this short and concise, lay out a couple of things about what's going on, and then uh, go from there. So with that being the case, welcome. Let me take a minute to acknowledge a couple of people that uh, decided to join me for this uh, little live stream here. And so we got New York Redneck, player, player. <laughs> we got RT in the house. We got Excalibur. How you guys doing, man? Appreciate you guys chiming in. And as always, uh, any other news stories out there that I may not uh, have come across or may not be familiar with, feel free to put it in the chat, and I would definitely touch on it. And so once again, there's more stories that uh, to cover than one man himself can uh, do. So I depend upon the community to help out whenever you guys can. So I appreciate it. We got James. We got Nathaniel. So with that being the case, I want to dive into the articles. And before I dive into the articles, as always, for those that are familiar with, there's a couple different uh, uh, streams down here, platforms or whatnot, to connect with RTD just in case uh, you, you happen to search on YouTube one day and it's not there. You know where else uh, to be located at. So with that being the case, feel free to do so. We got Paul. We got Anthony. Kareem. We got uh, Hill. It says Executive Order 1372. Okay, so I'm going to pop that up and see what's up with that one fast payments task force so the fast payment just that just hearing that alone lets me know that it's probably going to be something blockchain or something of that nature related from our government so i'm going to dive into that as well but before i get too far off course let me get into the main subject matter of what i wanted to stream about because there's two meetings going on right now there's two meetings going on on the planet that happen to be very important meetings of which one is one of the same narrative of the, you know, you got the richest people on the planet getting together, figuring out how they can get richer at the expense of the public without it becoming even much more of a problem because the wealth gap disparity is ever increasing. Therefore they're trying to figure out how they can spin this off to make it seem like uh, it's a part of the original game plan and they're going to blame climate or somehow. And I got my solutions on how we can probably you know, use the climate narrative to benefit the people. But yet, I don't think the wealthiest individuals will be too happy with that because it's going to affect their pockets. So what I want to get into, um, there's an article. There's a mainstream article that I want to touch on. And then there's the um, alternative article I want to touch on as well. And so um, if you type in Davos, 
You're going to get all types of mainstream articles. I'll put this first one up here. So this is just from CNN. Just type in Davos is one of the leading ones uh, given to us by Google. And it talks about uh, what they say will be the primary subject matter for this week. So they're, they're meeting at the 21st to the 20, 21st to the 24th, I believe, in Switzerland. It's a, an annual meeting of uh, the World Economic Forum hosting, I think it says about 3,000 or so, the wealthiest individuals, most influential business owners, and da-da-da-da, whatever. So they, they get together often as a part of the Special Boys and Girls Club where they conspire on how to further expand their power and take away our rights and stuff like that. So that's kind of what's going on. But what's interesting is that, and I've always wondered where this young lady originated from, but this Thunberg um, who got the person of the year. So this young lady here, Greta Thunberg, she's nominated as person of the year for her fight against the climate push. So she's been in the mainstream news. And of course, whenever the mainstream news highlights an individual, especially a young lady, however old she, I think she's a teenager. It lets me know that there's agenda behind it. There's some propaganda that's going to be put on top of that. And it looks like she's so concerned with this, with the health of our planet that she's now the advocate and spokesperson for all of humanity. So I'm assuming she represents you as well. And your concern for the, the heating and cooling or whatever's happening to our planet, which to me is a, a natural process of just how God created this, 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 uh, planet and whatnot. Outside of all the issues we've created as man, taking advantage and manipulating the system. So that being the case, article here says it all. The climate crisis could dominate Davos. So I'm thinking like, wow, they've already told us what they want us to believe is going on there. But of course, when you get, as it says here, drawing 3,000 of the world's richest and most powerful people. It let, it, I would imagine that those 3,000 people aren't there. They're not there to talk about climate. That's not their primary concern. And so outside of that, they're going to be talking about how they can get richer, how they can continue to further milk the system that's designed to make them profit or to allow them to profit at the expense of everybody else. But they're they're spinning off what's going on. The primary subject matter will be the showdown of what's going on with the climate. And so no doubt climate is of importance, but it's nowhere near what they're having us to believe it is, I believe. So this article here just talks a little bit more about some of the issues here. And so... It talks about the climate, the speeches, and the process, and all that stuff like that. But I'm thinking that's very interesting that uh, not only are some of the world leaders or richest of the richest getting together, they're talking about climate on top of whatever else they're talking about. But also, one thing that majority of the world, an overwhelming majority of the world, may not know is also happening this week as well. It's what's happening over in the Asian region, and it happens to do with the furtherance of the Belt and Road Initiative, the projects they have going on, and the further um, rollout of all types of vehicles and financial services that will utilize gold. And so while you have the Eastern or the Western Hemisphere world leaders and politicians and all those people talking about climate, on the other side of the world, you have China, as well as all the institutions and things of that nature they've set up, they're talking about gold and financial systems and how to take advantage of this current uh, situation that we're in while they build the next infrastructure to lead the world and whatever they plan on doing. So got an article I want to share with that. So I'll, I'll jump right into it. And of course, there's more subject matters out there, but this is what really stood out. And then I did a little backtracking and tried to connect the dots as to why and how things are so problematic on the surface happen, happen, which, which, which happens to be in regards to the whole repo market. And so I got a couple articles there and want to actually point back to a time frame 
when I think it's it's official that the system broke and now it looks like everything is a scramble to keep this thing going. So I'll touch on that. But here's an article here that I'm going to put in the chat that uh, I believe is something that people should uh, pay a little bit of attention to. And so it happens to be with um, happens to be about the Shanghai Gold Exchange and their announcement looks like came out today, which was because they are about 12 hours ahead, which was while we were sleeping on this side of the planet. They were over there meeting, talking about the gold markets and the Belt and Road countries and how they're furthering their uh, I don't want to say tentacles into other nations, helping them get their weight up in physical gold and diversify. Against what? More than likely the current uh, dollar paradigm. So I'll thumb through this and there's a couple things that really stood out and then I'll elaborate on it more. But of course, this is just one article. So I try to dive further to grab any other news off of Google. But of course, there's nothing else that rises up to the top. So this is the only article I have to go upon for today. But it gives us enough to continue to speculate and see where they're trying to take this. So. It says on January 20th, the launching ceremony of the Shanghai Macau Gold Road Project. So I'll, I'll zoom in there so you guys can probably try to read along with me. So the launching ceremony today took place while we were sleeping on this side of the planet. They were over there celebrating the Shanghai Macau Gold Road Project, jointly organized by the Shanghai Gold Exchange and the Bank of China which uh, was held successfully in Shanghai. And they threw out a couple people, the direct deputy director of the People's Bank of China uh, and the deputy director of the Shanghai Municipal Financial Regulatory Board and a couple other individuals, a lot of names, a lot of organizations there, attended the meeting. It says, to better play the role of the gold, to better play the role of gold market in serving the national strategy, the national strategy, so gold is a part of the Shanghai's national strategy strategy. You know, so when you think about strategies, you think about inner to inner working parts of something that's being built up for a particular reason. So there's a strategy behind this implement the CPC central Communities general plan on establishing Chinese, China, Portuguese speaking countries, financial service platform. That's a lot. So basically they're formulating and extending their reach a little further to Portuguese countries by looking to further extend the, the use of the renminbi into Portuguese areas, as well as launching the Shanghai Exchange and Bank of whatever, jointly the Shanghai Gold Road Project. It said the project serves as a first offshore custodian bank with the interconnected accounts to provide relevant account services for foreign investors. So ultimately, incorporating some type of gold-created structure to offer financing to other nations outside of China to further incorporate the renminbi into the use for international purposes. And so I'll go down to the very bottom and sum it up with this. It says, uh, based on the successful launching of the Shanghai Macau Gold Road Project, SGE will gradually increase the number of participating banks and expand the pilot area to further enhance service capacities and provide an open and exclusive gold market platform for market participants. So basically, all these countries that they're including into this Shanghai Gold Exchange organization, they're going to be dealing in gold. It says the SGE will further explore uh, cooperative opportunities among gold markets 
of the Belt and Road countries. So outside of the Portuguese countries, they're also looking to further the role of gold in the Belt and Road countries. So there's that road that starts in Shanghai, which ultimately goes all the way to the tip of or to the Western Hemisphere of Europe, which happens to be Portugal. So that road, along that road there, they're setting up an infrastructure that will allow gold and the renminbi to be used or interconnected amongst some type of, you know, system that they're putting up. And so this is what they're celebrating right now, as of today in China. It says comprehensively assist the development of the real economy. And so when I saw that, comprehensively assist the development of the real economy. What do they mean by real economy? What's real about the economy that they're creating? Well, if I was just to guess a little bit, gold is included in this economy and the renminbi is included in this economy. And this, as it says here, to further expand the role of those two instruments there lets me know that there's going to be some type of interconnectedness or redeemability of perhaps the renminbi or the digital yuan that's coming. that's being rolled out right now and somehow gold is in the mix. And then it says the internal internationalization of the renminbi and the construction of the Shanghai International Financial Center. So we got gold, we got the Shanghai International Financial Center, and we have the renminbi. All those three buzzwords is what's being celebrated right now at the launching of the Shanghai Macau Gold Road Project. And so um, what does all this mean? Basically, while we're being told that the world leaders, they're meeting in Davos, the wealthiest of the wealthiest, according to the dying Eastern or the Western paradigm of being dollar petrodollar centered focused mindset and everything happening with our current paradigm based upon the dollar over on the other side of the planet. Just today, they celebrated the launch of the Shanghai Financialization International Center, which is designed to further the internationalization of the renminbi and incorporating and including all the Belt and Road countries into some type of gold-related type of financial uh, funding or backing or something like that. So, two different paradigms at, at play right now. Davos, Shanghai. One's, this, one's a big distraction for the problems that's created by the very same people that they're meeting with. And then the other one is, I guess, China's resolution or problem-solving for what the next... Uh, as I like to say, next world order will bring to us. And it has nothing to do with the Federal Reserve note. So that's why I thought this was important because once again, nowhere in here is the word dollar or United States or Eastern Hemi or Western Hemisphere or any of the nations that's currently meeting in Davos. They're not really being mentioned in here directly. It's more so about what they're setting up for their purposes, for what they anticipate being the next leading of this uh, whole shebang. So, that's a lot right there. So let me check with the chat and see what's going on. See if there's any thoughts or whatnot. And we can go on from there. A couple more articles I want to share with you. And we'll go from there. And so as always, highlight at Rethinking a Dollar so I can see your thoughts. And we'll go from there. It says, uh, eBay Addict says, the top 25, 2100 richest people have more money than 4.6 billion people combined. Very true. That is something that uh, will only get worse. Put it like this. After Davos, after they're done with the Davos meeting, the results of what they implement will only further the wealth gap. It will never shrink it. But what they're going to try to do with the Davos meeting is to try to 
spin off some type of humanitarian we need to save the planet and it's because the planet's heating up and cooling and whatever that we have to impose so the, the end result of davos will be the implementation of some type of taxation because ultimately what they're going to do is they're going to make us the public they're going to make the world pay for the damage that they've caused to the planet and so one thing i want to bring out to your attention i imagine something that concerns me is that in southwest detroit there's uh, the oil area where they do the oil refinery. I'm not sure what company uh, operates there, but it's it's all along the river, Detroit River. There's all types of warehouses and all types of smoke smokestacks that's constantly burning. And so as I was driving down a region yesterday, I noticed there's a lot of pollution just being set up into the air. And all of those warehouses have these large smokestacks that just uh, just constantly 24-7, always running putting all types of things in the air. So wouldn't you think that the pollution, if it is a climate-related issue, probably comes from those corporations? And so once again, you'll never hear them say, we need to shut down or monitor or minimize the amount of pollution that we inject into the atmosphere. They'll never say that. But then they'll say <laughs> they're, they're going to fake pose a tax on those companies. But then the, the tax that they impose on those companies for polluting the earth will be included in the price of goods and services that we have to pay for. So the tax would be twofold. They're going to tax us for using our cars or something like that, you know, wanting to go green. And then also the, the price will be rolled into the cost that we are actually having to pay for those services. So basically a double tax is what will probably happen down the line. So that's just my two cents there as something that they might try to throw out as a solution for the very same problem that they that they caused. But let me uh, let me see here. Check in with the chat. Hey there. Hope all is well. Back at you today. I apologize for that. Check in with the chat. See what's going on. It says global warming is not even real. The earth is flat and motionless. There are no greenhouse gases. All of space is fake. Satoshi. OK, I ain't going. I'm not going to go that route. I'll let you do what you believe, what you believe you believe. OK, it says, woo, just picked up another one quarter ounce of gold coin a few minutes ago while at the job. J.O.B. Good job, my friend. Everyone agrees it's uh, mathematically impossible to go to a gold standard based on debt. I think there will be a nationalization resource sector and assets and reset and digital cash. Just a thought. Just a thought. Paul, at this point, uh, it's fair game for anything that they're going to attempt to roll out. And it all has to do with what my next subject is going to be and my thoughts around that. We got flat earther in here. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. So here's another article here that I think was worth mentioning. And so um, everyone knows that, though everybody may not know, I'm going to put some stuff together and let you guys think about it. And so here is uh, here's something I wanted to talk about. So here I have the federal funds. Uh, we got the total assets purchased by the Federal Reserve Banking System. And so, of course, we can see some things that looks a little odd here. So amongst quantitative tightening, tightening which ended in the midsummer of this past 2019, we see the downward, uh, downward or decreasing of the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve Banking System. And so around the end of summer, August slash September timeframe, which is at the very bottom here, something snapped, something broke. And I think when we look back in history, we're going to find out it was the it was a fracturing or or the breaking of the foundational pieces of our monetary system as we know it 
today. And I'm going to put together some pieces and explain my hypothesis as to why that could be and let you run with it or ignore either one. But September of last year, something broke and there was the the immediate scrambling by the financial sector to find liquidity. And of course, they gave off, you know, we had to make corporate payroll, corporate this, corporate that, whatever. But something broke and there will be no fixing what broke. So from this point on, when this something, when that, whatever that something was that broke, we entered into a full-fledged full, full crisis, which is currently underway now. And so here's something here that another article I want to touch on. Two articles, actually. Here's something that came out today. It says 944 trillion reasons why the Fed is quietly bailing out hedge funds. And so a part of that cracking or infrastructure broke, breaking or whatever, it happens to do with the fact that QE was a mer- an emergency effort by Bernanke to save us from the last crises. But as of now, something had to have broken or there will be no need for this immediate push to provide liquidity. So without even going all technical as to who, what, where, how, the hedge funds clearly will be a recipient or are being they are in a recipient of this liquidity because the two big to fail banks and they're interconnecting this with the hedge fund banks and all the shadow banking system that's all interconnected they're not operating as smoothly as they used to for some reason and i'm going to throw out my reasons why and it has to do with what's happening out in shanghai and so here's an article here that gives some details as to why that 944 trillion reasons and this is a graph I came across a while ago, but it talks about three of the primary hedge fund companies that are in need of a little bit of liquidity themselves. So we have Millennium, we have Citadel, we have 0.72. And then since this article goes into more of that, I'll, I'll let you read it for yourself to find out exactly what, how, when, where. I'm going to put it all together with my two cents on top. So basically, a part of the something cracked in the system therefore there's no returning to new the norm the new norm is qe until it spills out into the main economy impacting us directly in our pockets and savings and everything else but here's another issue here it says the global banks rushed back into the repo markets and it talks about the shadow banking where the all the institutions that are third-party intermediaries between the central banks and the two big to fail banks they're having issues so the shadow banking institutions they're referring to i believe happens to be a lot of the hedge funds which have taken on a lot of those risky assets that once again aren't they're not really worth much overall and so now it's a scramble to buy all that stuff back to provide some liquidity because the hedge funds where all of the retirements all of the investment vehicles all of the investment products they spun off to the to you and, and myself they're all questionable now because we have a good portion of the debt, corporate debt, junk bonds, and all that stuff like that is relatively worthless at this point. And so there's a need to provide liquidity for those things, but there's no one to buy it. So who has to buy it? The central banks. So as a part of what's going on, as I mentioned, the system broke in September, October, August timeframe. And one thing that a lot of people may not be aware of is the introduction of something that I think, you know, I'm going out there a little bit. I Something I think happens to be connected with that so at the same time there was a dry up or a lack of funding available for banks to do what they typically do which is to basically ultimately at the end of the day it's it's, you know legalized gambling in my personal opinion but what is going on is that the cme group 
back in the, the same time frame that the system cracked. And so when I say the system cracked, when the Federal Reserve decided to be, be, be the first, last, and the end of all this financial system stuff, they started buying up everything and overnight and then overday and two days and one week and one month. And it's just basically a reshuffling of the deck. They're selling it back to each other and they call it lending. But once again, you don't have to pay it back if they just you know, flip it over and extend the, the borrowing period between whatever. So here's an article here that I think plays into what I started off talking about today, the Shanghai Go. So a lot of the things that are, are that's going on behind the scenes happens to be about what's the what's developing in Shanghai. And so I remember talking about this uh, around the same time frame. Didn't really see how everything was connected until five months now looking back. I'm starting to get an idea as to as this old system cracked, what's the primary focus of the new system? And it has a lot to do with how China has been allowed to further expand into the to the to Western Hemisphere markets. And it has to do with the CME group to launch the new Shanghai Gold Futures contracts around the October time frame. But this article here is is came out in September, September 11th. And so once again, it has this has to do with the pricing of gold have China having more of a say so in the price of gold and being an overseer for the most part towards the financial products that they spun off in the US here and it and it's interconnectedness to the Shanghai Gold Exchange. So it goes real deep, well probably well beyond my head. But it says the launch of these two new Shanghai Gold Futures contracts by the CME Group marks a significant step in the internationalization of the Shang Gold benchmark. And so once again, some key words here that stood out to me of importance, the internationalization of the Shanghai Gold benchmark. And so like I've always said before, as we're witnessing the end of the petrodollar system and the shift onto something else, it's no coincidence that these articles are popping up and as well as the monetary system that we've known to this current point happens to be crumbling. And so back in September, October, September primarily, when the system broke, back in September here, at the end of QT, the system broke. Federal Reserve rushed in to save it. And so as of now, as of last the 16th, 15th, there's 4.1 trillion on the Federal Reserve's balance sheet, which is an increase of well over a trillion plus. And this is no end in sight. It's not going to end. As I mentioned before, it's going to go up exponentially like our debt, like our national debt has to a point where that's the Western Hemisphere's way of trying to save the system by monetizing everything they can. Okay. So outside of that, while we're distracted by Davos right now and the repo activity over in Shanghai, they are extending their inter they're internationalizing the renminbi and incorporating the gold pricing mechanisms into every nation around that belt and road initiative so what does that mean that means that while the western hemisphere is crumbling the eastern hemisphere is preparing for the launch the announcement of something that will allow the system to either go through a temporary glitch or a reshuffling. But the, I believe the Chinese are attempting to make sure that the system doesn't completely come to a halt because they'll have everything prepared and, and ready to be turned on through the interna internationalization of the renminbi and the gold market 
you know, all the pricing mechanisms for that. But there's no coincidence that the words, the internationalization that's referred to here with the Remembi that was released today, and then the words internationalization of the Shanghai Gold Benchmark is not a coincidence. They're preparing for the day the dollar is no longer what it is now for us while they introduce the, the role of the renminbi in some form or fashion for the next future uh, decades or whatever they have in store. So these things here are what I wanted to talk about today because there's no coincidence. And outside of just going real technical with giving you numbers and stats and dates, I can give you the whole shebang all in one. The system broke at the end of summer time last year. And along with that time frame, there's no coincidence that the Shanghai contracts were introduced, which will help China further be able to set the price of gold when they're ready. And there to be no glitch from the Shanghai pricing to the COMEX pricing here, all along while they're internationalizing the renminbi for uh, furthering their expansion and being able to receive payments for everything in in the renminbi and if there's ever a question as to whether or not the renminbi is worthy of uh being used as a uh, medium of exchange internationally they'll just say hey we can make that redeemable in gold and so we all know that the yuan gold back futures oil contracts or whatever so no doubt they're going to be spending off more things or whatever but so that there'll be no question that the renminbi or the yuan will be viable as a mechanism for trading they're, they've included the gold aspect as well. So they're going to be resetting the gold price pretty soon. In this next decade, there will be a resetting of the gold price done by China that will make those remembies that's out there in circulation a little bit more uh, trustworthy in comparison to the fet <laughs> the petrodollars that's out there that, once again, I don't think you know the funds are there in Fort Knox. So not quite sure how people will uh, receive uh, the, the backing of a um, of the, of the dollar note. So... And then let me check in with the chat. So I've been doing too much ranting, but I want to make sure I get all this out so that you have understand of what I'm trying to lay out here is the fact that the gold, Shanghai Gold Exchange is growing while the Western Hemisphere repo market activity is signs that the Western control and dominance is decaying or crumbling from within. So we have a question here. Says Johnny says, "What is your projection on gold and silver pricing in 2020?" Ah, man, good question there, Johnny. It's one of the things where I can throw out some numbers, but probably wouldn't be right because, as I've laid out here, it's more so when is China ready to turn on the switch and actually price gold and silver from the Shanghai perspective, Shanghai Gold Exchange perspective, outside of the CME and all the other London Bullion Exchange, all those other dying Western. Uh, price discovery me mechanism. So uh, my personal opinion, Yuan, the Yuan and Remembi, they've created trillions upon trillions, a lot more than we have here in relief aid for their own country. And whatever the price will be, it will have to account for all the debt creation done by China first uh, in order to come up with a more realistic price. So in Yuan terms, it definitely will be something um, just going to have a couple of zeros behind it I really couldn't throw out no numbers because I don't know the complete amount of debt created by the Chinese in order to prop up their own banking system over there. But if we were to prop up all our systems with uh, paper and digits, as the Federal Reserve is doing, you definitely, whatever the gold and silver price will be, you're going to have to add some zeros behind it. That's going to be the best way to even get an idea as to what it's going to end up being. So between now and that time frame, 
it could stay around the same as China continues to further their role in uh, preparing gold and the renminbi for whatever they want to issue out. And then we got all the dumbing down by this Davos talk and climate change and all the stuff to distract us from what's going on and the political issues we have in this country. So between 1500 and I would probably throw out to, I, I'm not going to keep it. I'll keep it to myself, but just add a couple of zeros to whatever number you have in mind. That might be a, a starting point. So we'll see. <laughs> But uh, what else is going on here? I've been checking the chat. And as always, if you guys are enjoying this little quick news synopsis of what's going on, threw out a couple articles there, something for you guys to check into further for yourself. Just want to share my two cents on top. So hopefully it was of benefit to you guys. Don't be afraid to throw, donate a thumbs up beneath the video here and uh, go from there. But I'm about to get ready to dial back. Just wanted to bring a couple things to your attention. I believe this is some information worthy of your time because we're going to hear one thing from the Eastern Hemisphere and another thing from the Western. And it's up to you to see how they interconnect or they don't and uh, figure out what you want to do in the meantime. So uh, we'll go from there. So they sold the gold from Fort Knox a long time ago to China. No doubt. I, I, I wouldn't be. I'm not nowhere near confident that there's any reserves in the United States in the form of gold. That's not privately owned by somebody. And it doesn't happen to be for the American people. Goldie says Spain, Portugal, the Netherlands and Britain all were reserve currencies and they are they are all failed. Reserve currencies have expiration dates. Very true. And the problem with the expiration dates that on those reserve currencies that the population, the majority of the population has no clue that their currency expired well before it was officially announced or felt in the streets through inflation. Um, and, and they were the ones left holding the bags. And so with all this activity going on here, you see the distraction with the digital, digital digitization in the repo activity by the, the, by the creation of reserves to the tune of trillions done by the federal reserve to prop up the old system that's dying. And then out West or out East, right? You have the Shanghai gold exchange and all the dealings that China's doing, and they're using four words, G-O-L-D. So where you want to fit in that, it's all up to you. But we'll see. And of course, we have, I think, a, a, a Western-led push for the usage of blockchain technology and all the things that come with that as a way of transitioning us into a solely digital economy, um, which is what I believe the people at Davos at the end of the day ultimately want because think about all the richest people at Davos they're meeting. They're all hedge funds. They're, they're billionaires. They're Amazons. You got the Facebook people. All those people are there and they're all, they made their millions from offering us digital products and services, i.e. all the, the, the free accounts of Instagram and all those services that they provide are already free and they're digital. So I would imagine they would want us to further go down that route, removing any form of physical from the equation at the end of the day, because it just makes them more funds. So the more we're dependent upon their products and things in their line of work, the richer they'll become. So just my two cents there. It says, thank you, Mike, for all you do. I, I talk about the channel often with people. Avocado, I appreciate you. Thank you for your support. So with that being the case, about the dial back, just wanted to put out a couple articles. For those that are catching the replay, definitely go back and, uh, take a look at all those articles. We got the hedge funds being bailed out by the by the Federal Reserve. We got the repo market, which was the beginning of the end of our current monetary paradigm. 
Then we got the rise of the gold Shanghai exchange. You put all, pull out, put all that together. Uh, what it tells me is that you better make sure you have some gold and some silver as all this stuff unravels. If you don't, you'll be the one holding the bag. So good luck with that. But that being the case, that's all she wrote about the dial back. Appreciate you guys for hanging out with me this afternoon. Share this video so more people can find out what's going on. And I'll be back here hopefully later, later tonight for a live stream. Other than that, be blessed, be safe. And if you want to support the channel, go to some of these alternative media sources here. Connect with me there. Share articles throughout the day. As well as Patreon. Be a blessing to the channel if you would like. Via Patreon, we'll love your support. And so I answer this last question. It says, pay me money back. It says, so what's keeping the American people from filling some type of car charges? Filing some charges because they have to against the law. Um, that's a good question there. But it's hard for the people to file charges against uh a system that was designed inherently flawed and designed to prosper those that are benefiting from it. So the wealth disparity happens to be because those that are taking advantage of the debt based system, they're the closest to the debt spigot, the monetary spigot. Therefore they're borrowing at extremely low cost and they're buying real assets that's appreciating in this inflated markets that we have. And then they're increasing their, their wealth has increased significantly in the form of their stock and their share in stocks. So Bezos got richer. He gets richer by the day because Amazon share prices go up. Bill Gates get richer because his share prices go up. So you got companies buying back their own share prices, their, their own stocks, making their company look like it's even more profitable than, profitable than what it really is. Therefore, they are the ones that um, also stand to lose a lot as well. But I'm sure they're aware of this. So they're taking their profits and they're buying undervalued assets no doubt so they're going to get richer regardless whereas in the best chance that we have as your average investor or person is to look at the things that are completely undervalued at this current point get them while they're cheap anticipating the fact that when things shift or change they're going to increase in nominal terms therefore putting you in a position where you won't necessarily profit as much as the one percenters but you won't be in the bottom 99% either. So that's my personal opinion. And of course, metals is a good way to do that, as well as other things out there that are more specialized. So if you're not uh, increasing your skill set to further understand vehicles that you can use and take advantage of to prosper along with the one percenters of the population, then um, I don't want to throw out anything that you know you may not be familiar with that would be a, more of a harm to you than a help unless you're fully aware of what you're doing with your funds. So... With that being the case, I'm about to dial back. Because if not, I can keep rambling forever. Appreciate you guys hanging out. Be blessed, be safe. And as always, if you want to support the channel via Patreon, this is the best way to do it. Enjoy your day. Peace. Hey there. Sorry for this interruption, but I wanted to bring something to your attention. If you've been enjoying this live stream, why don't you partner with me and be a support to the channel via Patreon membership for just a minimum of $5 a month. All you have to do is scroll down beneath this video here, click the Patreon link, then consider donating as little as $5 a month towards the channel. A little bit of crumbs can go a long way, and I appreciate your support. Now, let's get back to this live stream. Hey there, hope all is well. Back at you today with some more RTD News updates. And as you can tell from today's title, Congress is coming after your 401k. America's pension crisis is...